Welcome to the Retail Exchange Podcast, in association with Retail Focus Magazine. Brought to you by Visual Thinking, inspiring retail performance. Hello, I'm Ben Bland, and welcome to this Retail Exchange Podcast. With the ever-increasing use of technology in retail, there are many things that can be done by machines. So what role does that leave for us as humans? in the whole in-store retail experience? And is there a danger that perhaps retailers have a tendency to focus on the exciting new technology and forget about putting the customer at the centre of their planning? Well, with me to discuss all of these points are Lara Marrero, who is Strategy Director at Gensler. We have Mel Hales, who's Director of Rush Collective, and Carl McKeever, founder of Visual Thinking. Welcome to all of you. It seems as though, in some ways, technology, robotics, automation could pretty much very soon be doing everything within the retail environment. Do you think humans will soon become defunct in all of that and have no place left at all? Carl? Wow, let's hope not for all of our sakes. Uh, I think it's essential that people are still very much part of the retail experience. Um, Shopping is a social activity. It's one where men and women come together to interact over goods and services. As part of that, it's about giving advice, making friends, discourse, dialogue, and of course, just hanging out. So I think it's essential that people remain at the heart of all retail experiences. Mel? Yes, I absolutely agree with Carl. I think as humans, we crave human interaction. That's why I personally, I don't believe technology will ever completely take over those roles because I think when we go into a store, we're also looking for an experience. And as humans, we want to connect with other humans. And I think that's a key point when looking at technology. Laura? I would have to agree with both Carl and Mel. I think, in fact, the human experience is going to be even more important as as technology helps to aid the automation of things, get people what they want, the actual physical spaces and the people that help to create that engagement are going to play a more pivotal role in advice seeking in terms of being able to share and connect people together and to really humanize the brand. Where are the examples that you've seen, both good and bad, of retailers and the use of the people who work for them in store? I think there were brands that nail it. I think the um, the John Lewis empire has always been very good on that front. When you go in and you buy your groceries from Waitrose, you can buy them on Ocado, but when you go into Waitrose, you do get, I think, really good service and the people can give you advice about the products you can get. And there's, there's a level of engagement there that you just can't get. But I also think when you do shop online with them, their delivery men follow the same kind of procedure. They, they're they engaged with you. They want to bring your shopping in. They will have a conversation. So I think that's a thread that runs throughout the whole brand. Even when you're using technology with them, they still try and keep that human element there. Having just recently come back from New York, I was reminded how uh, important a role people play uh, in the grocery business of Dean and DeLuca. Here it's not so much around trying to sell you extra things, but it is actually about engaging with you and actually having that experience. And it really doesn't matter whether you're trying to buy things from one of the counters around the store or even if it's at the checkout. The role of people there is to really speak to customers explain and share information and really to create a certain amount of excitement about what the brand's all about. But of course, on an entirely different level, you look at somebody like Hamley's on Regent Street and that interaction of people as part of the selling process is absolutely crucial. So just by having a guy who's 
uh, demonstrating one of the toys to children creates not only an amazing crowd scene and creates curiosity from all of those onlookers, it is actually instrumental in driving revenue. Without that, Hamleys would be a lesser experience. I'd have to say that, ironically, I think one of the best experiences I've had when it comes to human interaction and, and service in general is my neighborhood Starbucks when I was living in LA. I mean, they would be able to anticipate my order. The second that I walked through their door, they knew that I had a limited period of time. And because we built that rapport and that relationship, they cared enough to get to know me. And they knew that when I walked in, they knew exactly where I was having. And it was almost shortcut right to the end of the line. And I just walk right there do my payment and walk out with it. And then I think more and more what's happening with big data is that people are using the data to inform the sales experience. And so when you go to places like Harrods and you walk in and you see a sales associate that's helped you before, they can actually look up your information and start to anticipate things that you might want to see um, and start pulling things into the room, knowing your sizes, knowing things like that, so that it helps to create a much more engaging experience when you're having somebody constantly trying to get ahead of what you want instead of just trying to sell you things. And, and with that in mind, you've, you've each outlined the importance that people play in the in-store experience. Do you think bricks and mortar stores across the board trumpet that enough and make enough of the fact that they have that advantage that online it just cannot offer in the same way? I think it has to be a really uh, committed part of the strategy. I think many brands, in fact, probably most brands would like to think that they offer some level of engagement in that form. But all too often it comes across as just a phony layer, which is um, really quite uh, meaningless in real terms. You know, there's the standard kind of greeter at the door who pounces on you within the first three feet, which actually can leave you completely cold. Uh, it feels insincere, it doesn't feel well connected, and it's often ill-timed. However, there are brands that actually actually uh, spend a great deal of time thinking about that process and getting it right. So I think if it's a fundamental part of the strategy and they take time to advise, inform and train and develop the sales associates to do that in a meaningful way, I actually think it really can add value to the consumer. I totally agree with Carl. Another store I went into recently where I noticed they had so many sales staff was um, Lush, the beauty brand. I noticed they almost had as many sales staff as there were customers in store. But immediately when one approached me, she started reeling off a range of their products and putting things in front of me without asking me one question about why I was there, what I was shopping for. And it's a key skill in sales. But I think what's often happening is that training isn't reaching the sales associates. And like Carl said, if you actually invest the time to train them properly, to teach them these skills and techniques, it'll probably be a lot more successful and it'll make the experience much more um, enjoyable for the customer. Laura? I also have to say that there's an operational cost that goes with everything. I mean, if you if you look, there's always a balance between how you're spending your operational funds. And so if you want to create a place that creates engagement, you have to think about who it is you're trying to engage and how to, how to train people or how to create messaging that does just that. And so it could be that you have a really amazing sales staff that understands how to read human behavior, understanding micro expressions, learning when to approach, when to let somebody go free, learning how to curate the conversation based on the way somebody is responding to your questions, just as Mel said. But it's also the nuances in a space that really can help be the voice of the brand, um, which is why I think physical, physical spaces are such an important role because it adds that humanity into the space because it gives it voice. It's not just the person, but it's also the environmental graphics, the digital experience, all these things kind of coming together to really manifest that ethos of the brand. 
For me, I think one of the things we're all perhaps assuming in this conversation as well is that, you know, engagement is necessarily at the front of why people are there. More often than not, the sales staff in store are actually there to do a range of other tasks before they actually uh, have time to interact with the customer, be that replenishment, the register, administrative work, etc. And I think certainly what we can see is, is as retail brands become more pressured, one of the easy decisions they can make is reduce store team hours. And therefore, actually, you almost set up the, the opposite of what you're trying to achieve. You have fewer people who are more stretched with less time to actually do the day job, actually trying to fit customers in and their interactions around that becomes almost an impossible task to achieve. I think what you're also finding is if you're looking at reducing the store hours, there's certain times of day where you get reduced footfall. And so if you see traffic early in the morning and late at night and you've got, you're just watching the way you're staffing, those are the times where they can do more of the operational effects. So it's also looking at the service strategy throughout the day and lining it up so that when people are in the store, you don't see them stocking and putting clothes out on the shelves. I mean, the number of times that I've done store audits where I'm looking around and you know, a company is coming to us saying, we want to do a retail transformation. We walk in and there's a queue at the register and you've got people with their backs turned stocking because that's what they've been told they need to do is replenish the floor. So it's a lot more consideration for the hows and whys of when people are doing things to be very considerate to understanding the peaks of your your day-to-day customer flow. I have to say, it's one of the most frustrating things as a customer where you're in that queue and you're thinking, do those shelves really need to be restocked right this minute? Yeah, I was just going to say off the back of that, I think one of the biggest challenges that our retail clients face is training of the staff and working with their limited hours, taking them off the shop floor isn't often uh, cost effective. And something that we're looking at now is actually using technology in a training aspect uh, for their members of staff, because even the uh, in-store managers don't often receive enough training, especially in terms of how to keep their teams engaged when there's so many things to do and so many different areas to focus on. But I think one great thing about technology is now you can reach a lot more people without taking people away from the stores and into a training center. There are ways to do it now, I think, where you could teach um, employees these skills without necessarily having a huge cost effect. Similar to what Carl was just saying about all the different things that are having to happen in a store. And you're thinking, okay, if you have somebody at the till that's really great at making somebody feel comfortable about the post-purchase decisions that they're making, and you're able to get in that conversation, and that's natural for them, those are the types of people you want to close the sale. If you're looking at the people that are really good at greeting and being warm and having that empathy of watching the way people are moving through the space, those are the people you want in mid-floor. But then giving them a tablet, giving them something that helps them understand where the stock is so they never have to to leave their customer and you might have runners going from the back to the front with that product to help aid in that experience. Because again, if somebody is going in there, you need to make sure you're valuing their time. I think for me, Ben, the, the, the straight answer to the question in many ways is, is Mel's already covered it, is there is a real cost to training. And that cost is both in terms of the uh, the physical time for the employee to attend the training and there's the cost of providing it. So most retailers are going to try and cover the basics first and more often than not that tends to be the operational policy. But in real terms I think that one of the things that all brands can do is just simply to encourage their employees to think like a shopper. Ask simple questions, would you buy it? Is this standard good for you? Would you consider this good service? Would you recommend this store to a friend? So for me 
training doesn't have to be a big formalized entity. It can actually just be about setting some cultural norms, some ways of thinking, some ways of doing things and establishing those clearly across the business. And I think if people can think in those simple terms, actually, and you can stand in the consumer's shoes, more often than not, you can start to get it right. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think a company's culture is so clearly reflected in the in the brand when you go into the store. I think you, know, you can walk into a Pret, you know you're going to get your coffee very quickly and you'll probably get it with a smile. And that is, I think, pretty constant across all of their, um, their outlets. But I think, like Carl said, it's that challenge of, of training everyone. But I think what's also important is to give staff an element of autonomy into how they want to deal with the customers in the store and to give staff the benefit of the doubt that they have the ability to do that. And I think, therefore, you get a bit more personality coming through as well. And I think, you know, understand that actually humans generally can understand other humans, but it's often when there's very tight restrictions into how you deal with each, each customer and too strict guidelines that actually you lose that human element and, and connection. I really think we need to elevate the importance of a sales associate beyond anything. I, I think so often people think that the people in the head office are the most important people in the organization. But remember, these are the people that are connecting to your customers. And over time, it's been an hourly post. It's been something that's been less regarded. It's been something people do in the summers or for holiday peak times. But in terms of the retail profession, where we go back to that place where being a service professional is not something that should be an afterthought, but something that is of real importance to the brand. I mean, it is the most important front line. And I have to, I have to agree with you 100%, Laura. And look, if all the tech went down... If the power went off, who is the person that can still help you make sales? And that's the associates on the floor. There needs to be more of an appreciation of the sales consultants and the managers and their teams. Because when all said and done, they can have all this embedded data, but you still require people to carry out the tasks. And sometimes those tasks are practical around the operational needs of the store. But at the end of the day, all of this only exists because what we're trying to satisfy is the human needs of the consumer and make them happy. Mel? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I think it's giving them a bit more autonomy and trust of, over how they deal with those kind of situations. And I think if you have a culture of that in the business and you have a culture of letting people try something, even if they make mistakes and fail, that gives people um, more opportunity to be able to deal with the customer in a way that they think is going to work for them personally, as we're all different, we're all individuals. And often it's that personal touch that really makes a difference to us. So I think... Like Carl said, if the technology disappeared for whatever reason, what's left is the human. And that is so important. And I think, like Lara said, not valuing those sales associates is a real mistake. And sometimes that element of micromanaging or putting them on too tight a leash, it really stifles that creativity and finding solutions when the solution isn't necessarily obvious. It is, of course, no secret that retailers have to deliver transformation to make sure what they're offering reflects the changing demands and expectations. What are the challenges, do you think, when it comes to delivering that change? How do you secure the buy-in and the engagement internally? I think you need to have one champion. And the reality is a consumer cannot tell the difference between whether they're online or whether they're in store because all they see is your brand. So the more people are doing this, the more they're bringing all these things together, the better they are at really um, satisfying customer need. 
and aligning the behaviors of the people in their organization. Mel, how do you think big retail organizations or even smaller retail organizations can get their own people to buy in to a change to the way that they think, well, it's always been done, why are they messing around with it now? Well, I think firstly, it's a communication of that vision and those values, which is often lacking. I think there are a lot of sales associates, some of them who work part-time, like we mentioned, who come in, do their job, go home. They don't necessarily, they don't engage with the people that Lara was speaking about, who's creating that vision, who is heading up that whole operation, or who is creating a new kind of identity for the store. You, I think it, there needs to be much clearer communication channels across the board when it comes to retail. I think the emphasis is quite rightly placed as both Laura and Mel have said, on the joined-up thinking and also and then as communication. Um, and that's fine if you're driving that. But I think if you are a person on the ground, what you need to understand is, is what's my role in all of this? So what's my personal buy-in? It's one thing to understand that our store is doing well and our brand is doing well and we're achieving our targets. But we also need to sense, feel a sense of pride in belonging as part of that brand as well. So I think the cultural side within a store, within a team, is absolutely vital um, in terms of success. And of course, that's an ever-changing game because of the churn that you get within, within retail. Communication, yes, is vital, but I think you have to work on the basis it needs to be simple and regular. Uh, the only way that you affect change from the ground up is by little and often constant repetition and reminding and not necessarily thinking that just because you've done it once that it's going to stick. We can talk about uh, staff within retail organisations and be in danger of sounding like they are one homogenous group. But the reality, of course, is that uh, when you're trying to deliver change and transform the way that you're working, you often have to do that across a wide demographic of retail staff young, old, and all of them will respond to change in a different way. How do you manage that? Laura? I've had to work on change programs with people that are um, of a certain age that feel absolutely no comfort with change. I have other people that are basically right, you know, young kids that are so technology savvy that they don't like stagnation and you've got both sides. But you have to understand who you're talking to and, and vice versa, by the way, because there might be somebody older who is an absolute technophile. You can't profile these people and automatically think that, oh, they're older, they're going to hate technology. Oh, they're younger, they're going to be whizzes because I've seen it all. I mean, it's the reality is, is that you have to have an empathetic teacher who can understand who they're connecting with to understand how to get them to adopt the change. How you choose to train them makes such a difference in how they become the best versions of themselves. I've worked with some prominent retailers who do zero training with their store managers, aside from logistical and organizational. They don't give them any people training, yet they're looking after, you know, sometimes tens or even hundreds of members of staff, yet they haven't had the training they need to be a confident leader. They don't have those coaching skills that Lara mentioned, and therefore you're not going to be getting the best out of each individual, which is a real skill. We put our management executives in retail facilities, in retail corporate headquarters through leadership training. Why aren't we doing the same with our store managers? I mean, it's it's the same skill set in leading teams and they should be seen as important. That team is, is, if not as more important, to make sure that that brand is coming to life in a space. I agree. And I think there's a real lack of that in the retail industry, unfortunately. I think it's something that could turn around a lot of stores if they actually invested in training their store managers in the right way. 
And I think key to that is having a range of learning materials and different types. So uh, people respond to learning in different ways. There are some people who learn best by doing, other people who learn best by reading. So I think making sure that you've got your um, training assets in a variety of formats is key. Um, those formats as well should also be uh, reflecting of the different types of tasks which you want people to do. There will be training materials which have got more of a reflective nature and some of those materials which are much more active in terms of their participation levels that's required. So I think as well as having uh, uh, a really good engaging and active trainer, what you also need is a pretty good training department who has got enough of flex and range within their own skill sets to be able to provide the types of assets that the employees need. Yeah, I think uh, having leaders who understand people, I think like Lara said, is really key. That element of empathy, self-awareness, basically leaders with a high level of emotional intelligence who can actually adapt to the way they deal with different employees is so important. And I think Carl's got definitely got a point about having a training strategy that works for everyone. And there are, there are various ways to do that nowadays that you know, weren't accessible to us 10 years ago, but there are ways to do it with technology that we can use it in a much more sophisticated way way. But I think in terms of people, that empathy is one of the most important elements, I think, when it comes to a leader. And if you're making sure you've got the right managers in the right places, that should become much easier for you. Carl? Look, if you can choose to work anywhere and if the pay scales are largely the same, there's got to be something that connects you to one brand rather than another. And I think the problem is when the pressure is on and when retailers are having to really work very hard to stay competitive and remain relevant, is some of those kind of nice to-dos can easily be trimmed away. And I think when it all just becomes very tasky and hard work and nose to the grindstone, that's when you lose some of that goodwill and motivation, which is essential to keep the wheels turning. And I think you're dead on there too, Carl, because people are motivated by different things. And so sometimes it's the fun of it. Sometimes it's a compensation. Sometimes it's the education. Sometimes it's the free clothes you might get if you work somewhere. But everybody's motivated differently. Absolutely. I agree with that. We did some work with um, a law firm recently and they asked for something fun in terms of a workshop for their employees. And um, we sent them in a comedian. They had a great time. And afterwards, they all said how amazing it was just to laugh, that laughter was something that was so lacking in their work environment. And they all went back to their desks feeling invigorated and enthused. And I think that's something that's so rare and we forget about. But actually, that's something as humans we all really enjoy. And it's not a huge thing to, to roll out or to do for your staff, but it does, I think, make a real difference. From your experiences, what do you think retailers need to be concentrating on more that perhaps they are not? Oh, I think uh, retailers could do a lot better job of listening to their teams. I think if more of a collaborative approach that was taken, then I think then not only would you get a better outcome, but the employees would support that more and they would really get behind it and embrace what the brand was trying to do. Yeah, I agree with that. I think if the person or the people making the decisions spend more time on the shop floor, they'll understand the needs of the customer and also the sales associates, I think, in much more detail. I, I just think it's disappointing that there isn't enough of time and attention that's spent talking to the people who currently work there. Um, they have a massive amount of insight and they know what works, what doesn't work and where the gaps and blockages in the process are. A lot of retail brands especially spend such a lot of effort and money on external marketing and actually forget that internal marketing. It's important that your employees know what your vision and your values are. It's important that your achievements are celebrated as a whole team, whether somebody's full-time, part-time, whether that's going to be their long-term career or not. I think that's a really key point. At the end of the day, we all want to feel like we have a sense of purpose. It doesn't matter 
what seat we sit in, what role we play in life, what job we have. We all want to feel like we connect to something bigger. And I think that's it. Is It's just making people feel like whatever that vision is, they have a purpose to be attached to it, that they find that they are aligned with it and they're authentically positioned to be saying that message and delivering on the promise of that brand. Well, there we have it. Uh, A reminder to uh, any retailers out there listening that uh, as much as the dazzling innovations and technology that's on offer, don't forget to put uh, and to keep people at the heart of your retail transformation strategies, people both in terms of the customer, consumer, and your own staff. My thanks to my guests, Carl McKeever, Mel Hales, and Laura Marrero. My thanks to you for listening to this, the Retail Exchange Podcast. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange Podcast. Subscribe online at theretailexchange.co.uk and join the debate on Twitter, hashtag Retail Exchange. This episode is brought to you by retail transformation agency Visual Thinking in association with Retail Focus magazine. Thanks for listening.